Welcome to the quarter to three movie podcast of the movie Jupiter Ascending. That's how they want My you name is Christian Morowski, <laughs> and I am joined here as I am joined here every year by Kelly Wand. Kelly Wand, Jupiter Ascending movie we saw this week. Jupiter from on high smiles at the perjuries of lovers. <laughs> <laughs> See, it was that music. Was that a real siren in the background, or was that part of the soundtrack? Uh, that's part of the the. Uh, As I call the, it the video because you know she's doing a, a concert in the middle of Manhattan because uh, she's she's a raging awesome skater girl. And um, the I don't post- watch videos; I just listen to the sound because hmm. I don't have radio. That's pretty deep. I like that about you. Uh, what was your tagline again? I, please Jupiter from on high smiles at the perjuries of lovers. <laughs> it's from Ovid. Because that's the operation she was going to have. <laughs> All right. Very good. <laughs> um, do you have a uh, any backup taglines? I like that one. I'm just asking if you have something else in the chamber. I Jupiter scene from SpongeBob, Sponge Out of Water. Uh, I saw that this week. Oh, I can't wait. See? Did I oversell it? Did you Over, see my influence? Uh, it's. Uh, did you write it? I worked on a roundtable for a day on it. No, oh, you did. I wrote the whole thing. Well, okay. nothing. Well, I just I, said, you guys are fine. Don't change anything. I had to go to it uh, with my son, who was invited to a friend's birthday party to see it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we all met at the Arclight to see SpongeBob. And I, I have no SpongeBob experience, but what I did... Happen. What I did feel was that um, if I were really into hallucinogenic drugs, I would have loved this Fuck movie. Yeah, it's yeah, it's for stoners it's, and kids. It is not for kids. It is for, it is exclusively for stoners. No, it's not an either or. Your kid didn't like it. Your kid was like, Bleh. no, he Only really, watched. really did not. But he's not a SpongeBob fan. His friend is, and his friend liked it. So. Uh, we were just sitting there, the two of us, just like, "What is this movie? What is going on?" <laughs> the, but I the, thought he'd like it because superheroes. But the best thing about it, did you know that Matt Berry is in it? Yeah. Oh man, that was the best. I was sitting there, like, just, I was just dying in the desert, and then Matt Berry showed up, and I went, "Oh, thank God, a glass of water." <laughs> um. Well, that was my favorite part too. I didn't think it was a desert before that. I don't know. Well, I don't know that world at all. I don't know that. I have no. I just didn't understand. This whole movie's about a secret recipe and some crap. Yeah, thing. you kind of have to know. I guess that's true. You do have to know the universe. Because also, too, it's usually him and Patrick, the dumb. Mm-hmm. No, I know who you're talking about. It's right, just it's every time like, they did that weird time travel thing, it was like this this psychedelic journey. Yeah. And, I'm, and I just kept thinking, if I did drugs. This would be so awesome. Oh, it was. It really was. I mean, I worked really hard that day, too. 
I can't I, remember. I totally, All I remember is watching it. I totally ahead. forgot you worked on that. That's so funny. I I only watched it mostly. I didn't really. They paid me to watch it, basically. Well, the, but the Matt Berry part, I was so excited, and then one of the other writers went, "Who's that?" And they went, "Oh, it's Matt Berry from IT Crowd." And he was like, "What? IT Crowd's the first thing." Well, that's that's what Tom said, you know, because I, I had to explain who he was to the other two parents who were there. He's on the show, see. Um. Well, I, I I started with um, Garth Marenghi, right. and they just were like blank, yeah. blank, and I'm like, you guys, it's been up by the movie, and you're going. You, no, you guys see. would actually like this. I think that that their sense of humor would they would catch, they would get. Garth Marenghi, uh, maybe not Test of London, but I think they would get Garth Marenghi. And then I got home, and I'm like, I, that, I was trying to explain who he is, and I even rolled out that he has a tiny part on Moon, and everybody looked at me like I had grown another head. And he's like, you have to say the IT crowd. And I said, uh, I, was, I don't... That's more obscure. That's well, I, don't, I don't know what that is, but it, it's probably the most popular thing he's done, I would guess. Moon? No, IT. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I know, but it's his least. I don't know. His least useful, perhaps. I mean, Garth Marenghi is his brilliance, but uh, but yeah, but when he shows up as the dolphin and he's got that and distinctive voice and uh, oh, snuffbox, that's right. But again, the snuffbox is one of those things. Tom's like, this isn't for you. <laughs> you know what? He says that too much. No, he's usually right. To be fair, he's uh, usually he pretty spot was- on. He knows my uh, my sensibilities pretty well. I'm bummed. Um, or Kierna didn't like um, SpongeBob, and now I want Alex to see it. Oh boy! <laughs> you heard me. You get you get to see a double feature next week. It's uh, SpongeBob and he's something even better. Uh, Kelly Wad moving yes. away from SpongeBob. Uh-huh. Uh, do you have an IMDb opsis where you read the synopsis of a Sam yeah, and the sent one in. I, f- I forgot that they'd sent in, so I did this instead. Because um, since we did Jupiter Sending, I wanted to do a science fiction movie one. Oh, okay. That's good. I know Paul Weimer had sent one in as well uh, yeah. last week. But you can always you can always catch up with him another time. I'll catch up with him another time. He'll he'll, he'll understand. Yeah. Also, his, his will probably tie in better with next week's feature. Zzz. <laughs> I, yeah, because this one is obviously would have no bearing on that. Um, Ike Graham, New York columnist. I always love it when they start with some name. character's name. Yeah, <laughs> you're like, why do I care? So I know Ike Graham. Go ahead. Unless it's a name we know, and then they go in the future, and then eventually they say Robocop. <laughs> Except the one I read. When it was his first name, too. But anyway, Ike Graham, New York columnist, writes his text always at the last minute. What? I know. It's like they wrote that at the last minute. This time, a drunken man in his favorite bar tells Ike about Maggie Carpenter. What? Ah, oh, see, I've, there's already listeners who know what this is. A woman I, who... Go ahead. Did I spoil it with woman? No, I just, I'm just, it was swimming in the world of Ike Graham and Maggie Carpenter. Graham, New York columnist. Maggie Carpenter, a woman who always flees from her grooms in the last possible moment. In the last possible moment. Ike, who does not have the best opinion about females anyway, mm. it's an offensive column without researching the subject thoroughly. 
The next day, Ike gets fired by his publisher and former wife because he went too far and faked the facts, which real journalists don't do. <laughs> What's up with that? He's saying she's Broadway Bride, which she is, and then she calls and gets him fired. It seems like... Why is he the asshole? Ike's only way back into the business now is to do a fact-based report on Maggie and her upcoming fourth wedding attempt, which Ike predicts to fail again. So as he circles her like a vulture, his prey to be... What? I know. It's getting kind of flowery. Maggie's opinion of Ike sinks below zero. Not only is Ike waiting for her to fail again, but the whole town is poking fun at Maggie about her mistakes. But that is a point which Ike doesn't like. <laughs> and that's the end. <laughs> that's where they leave off. Ending on a rhyme is always a good idea, I think. Uh, I've only seen the end of that movie. I, is it Runaway Bride? Yeah. And that's your that science fiction be, Well, it seems a little far-fetched that four people would fall for that shit. Oh, right. And then that writing does fall apart, and then she stands him up. So that she's actually at six by the end. And then she shows up his apartment and then goes, you know, and then they get back together. That's so the I saw. They were going to call it four non-weddings and no funeral, but then they didn't. <laughs> what? Is pretty, is pretty Woman a piece of shit, too? Because that movie... Runaway Bride... It's, it's gotta be. It's Gary Marshall. I know, but it made so much money. It must be good. That's really... That's the harbinger. SpongeBob right. movie. You're absolutely right. <laughs> An American sniper. All right. <laughs> All right. Speaking of uh, American, spy, uh, American sniper, uh, we're, we're going to get back to the movie we're actually doing this week. No spoilers <laughs> yet. Don't worry, folks. Uh, but this week we saw Jupiter Ascending. A 2015 action adventure fantasy air quote space opera un air quote movie about how every time a bell rings, an angel gets his wings. It was written and directed by Andy Wachowski and Lena Wachowski. It stars Channing Tatum, Mila Kunis, and Nikki Amuka Bird. I love that name. None Nikki, of those names are pronounced right. Nikki Amuka Bird. That one is. Jupiter Ascending is rated PG-13 for some violence. Sequences. Some. They always get it. How much? 13. Oh, all right. 13 Thanks, scientists of the MPAA. <laughs> some to mid. 13 violences. Se- sequences of sci-fi action. Some suggestive content. More sums. And partial Wait. nudity. What's the suggestive... Uh, forget it. <laughs> I think the wings. Could be anything. The, the wings are very suggestive. Um, so this week's numbers that were spliced together by our quarter to three genetic engineering interns. Um, Jupiter ascending on Rotten Tomatoes, which is a percentage of reviews that are positive. Can you guess what Jupiter ascending might clock in at Kelly Wand? Mm, 23 very close 22 it was 23 a little earlier tonight uh somebody actually said that to me they said how'd you like it and i said uh and then she said it's at 23 <laughs> oh so she had a number ready no matter what you said but oh, luckily yeah. you fainted with an e yeah um uh. and on metacritic which is the average ratings from various reviews it's at a 40 Huh. Yeah, there's always, there's always a four. There's always a 40. 
Um, so it was a percentile. So at the box office, number one this week was SpongeBob, Sponge Out of Water. <laughs> SpongeBob made $56 million. Um, then comes number two, American 58. Sniper. 58? Oh, all right. Just went up, just like the percentile went down a percent. For oh, because we were talking about it. Probably a bunch of people ran out to see it. Yep. We were talking about it. Oh, wait, it went back down again. Oh, darn it. Uh, American Sniper's number two with $24 million, and Jupiter Sendings number three with $19 million. It so as the, many millions as the percentile. The general, the general, exactly. um, the general headline is that uh, SpongeBob crushed Jupiter Ascending. <laughs> it washed it away. There's all the sponge metaphors. It... it Clean, to the top. Cleaned up the kit, the cleaned up the counter with it. Yeah. It sopped it up. That's what I was there with the round table to do, was write those. Yeah, I think that you were probably worth at least, I don't know, 35 of that million. Matt so, Barry, three. Well done. Well done. Just saying. All right, we are about to move into spoiler territory, ladies and gentlemen. So um, if you are jonesing to see Jupiter... Jupiter Jones in Jupiter Ascending, um, then you should probably go see Jupiter Ascending before you listen to Kelly Wan talk about it, because he's going to spoil it, and we are going to spoil everything no about it. We, we don't have a choice. We This is predestined. We have been genetically spliced to do this. the only ones you saw it, so... This is our genetics. We, the, we, we do not have a choice about this. So, uh, so we are now in spoiler territory. Kelly, you're going to do some sort of a thing where you talk about what happens in the movie. I have no idea what you're going to call it, though. It's going to be in the actual thing. Ah, all there's right. Like a, there's like an opening sequence, and then you find out what it's called. Oh, well, I'm very excited. Let's do this. Mila Jovovich is all, uh, I think this is the only time you hear my voiceover, but I'm an illegal alien. I mean, ruler of the earth. I mean, owner, well, only the bees know. Actually, my parents were Russian immigrant toilet bowl cleaners. Here's their meat cute. An old lady walks past a sewer and sees that guy Yanosh from Ghostbusters 2 who worked at Sigourney Weaver's museum sitting at the bottom of some steps staring through a telescope. That guy Yanosh. It's weird, he hasn't aged. But it's the past. This is 84, so we didn't do that age. So who is that? I, I wasn't confused. Was that Peter Nickel? Uh, yeah. Peter oh, you knew his name. Yeah, I like that guy. He was Renfield in Dracula Dead Loving It. Oh. Fascinating wand. <laughs> that guy's all Mein Kampf. What a black hole I've discovered. Some subtitles are all parentheses in Russian. The old lady's all your lens caps on of. <laughs> you already like this. I just like the parentheses in Russian. Oh, <laughs> you're, yeah, well, that tracks. That's perfect. <laughs> Mila Kunis's voiceovers all pretend I look like them. Also, like the triplets of it, we're also genetically related or something. They might be Russian, too. There's a shot of Jupiter doing nothing. Some words are all, this isn't the title yet. Uh, 90-year Earth months later, in either Stalingrad or Chicago, in an apartment, the Ghostbusters guy raises some Vaseline and goes, Okay, honey, you know what tonight is of? The anniversary of Sputnik crashing? The old lady's all, Gary, I'm eight months pregnant. What the fuck's wrong with you? Smears her boobs with Vaseline and pries her arms around his paunch in a forcible embrace. This is what I saw, Dingus, on the movie screen. <laughs> no, you're, yes. So far, you're just reading, you're reading the script, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There wasn't a script. He's all, hey, if it's a girl ski, let's name her after the most bloated gas giant in the solar system. But if it's a boy, we'll name it Grandma after my brother, Ski. 
He hugs his telescope and kisses it fondly, then looks at the wife and goes, Why are you still here? Some gunmen burst into the room and start breaking everything. The leader's all, All right, uh, since I think we're in Russia, uh, only steal stuff that's easy to carry. They all pick up the telescope and, grunting with exertion, carry it towards the door. The dad's all, Please do what you want to the crone, but leave the telescope. They shoot him a bunch of times in the stomach and leave. The wife doesn't protest. Millicunis is all. For some reason, Mom never talks about that night, except shooting at Dad part, in which case I'm not actually sure how I even know any of this. Anyway, point being, this all natural made me desire a telescope, so I guess I relate to the gunman. <laughs> now that I'm 19 or something, my job is cleaning my mom's toilet all day while I do this voiceover. I hate my life. If only it had lasers in it, and Channing Tatum is an elf. <laughs> Oh yeah, my Russian mom's last name is Jones, but for some reason I prefer to be known by another name, in present participle. Some 3D words are all Jupiter, escopsing. <laughs> oh, okay, very good. Then the actual opposite starts. Three no, bounty hunters watch Chatting Tatum wander around at night wearing some clogs. The Australian ones all. Don't worry, I'll just use this camera glued to me eye here to take a picture. <laughs> Not sure that really helps us. <laughs> Shit, didn't come out. All you can see is me thumb. Damn. Sorry, I got this thing, to be honest. Thought it'd be good for a couple zingers about focus firing, but really just fucks up my depth perception. Maybe I should have gotten one for me other eye, too, instead of this copy. Installed me nose. The Asian ones all. Elf Channing Tatum character want to steal our bounty wide angle lens and face, man. Oh, God. Because <sighs> there's nothing I can do about it. They cast her, Wachowskis. I am not one to argue with success. I know you, 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 you nailed her voice from Cloud Atlas. Well done. The black ones all. Cool. They shoot a million lasers. <laughs> That's him talking to you, by the way. But he tricks them by using foot-based G, alley, and them always missing. Eventually, he just kills the Australian and then flies away, which I guess was also an option all along. He got away! Oh, God. My invisible sky bike no match for his magic shoes! She really sells the line, Dingus. She really does. You gotta, you gotta love that Duna Bay. The black, yeah. At least with the Australian dead, it's one less boring character to keep track of. Some words are all. Meanwhile, on planet sixty-four D minus, two guys and a girl are staring at some CG rubble. The sisters all. Our mom Milikinis has been reborn somehow in a Russian toilet bowl cleaner <coughs> stuff. The first pale brothers all. Ha! I seduce toilet bowls for breakfast. Good. I, I Channing Tatum to roller skate in her vicinity. The Stephen Hawking brothers all. <laughs> I told some lizard men to kill her, but also brown aliens with neuralizers. The sisters all. Why are you whispering? Because this is my only scene! I'm sad no one saw the movie and is going to see what I'm trying to do. I think you're doing a better job than everybody in this movie so far. So. 
So do not apologize one bit. Sisters all. Oh. They all gaze around at the rubble for a bit. The sisters all. Why did they come again? Back on Earth, Lacunas is talking to her Russian brother, who also doesn't have a Russian accent. He's all, come on, it's a perfect plan. You sell your ovaries and we use the proceeds to buy an Xbox for me and a telescope for you. Then I kill mom, you scream, and I kill you with the spoon. It's a Matrix reference. Well, you know I can never say no to you or anyone. Wait, if they're my ovaries, why do I have to tattoo your name on them? Because when shit rolls downhill, the money rolls up. Remember when he said that? I remember the, and the weird gesture he did. Yeah. It was like, he's, he hasn't done anything like that. He's been very careful about that whole yeah. scene. And then there's all of a sudden like, That's the line. That's the signature line. <laughs> now, if you'll excuse me, I'm going to go out the store to talk to Bell. Oh, well, at least I only have one earthling brother with an irritating speech impediment. She turns back to her laptop. A ghastly blonde woman in lingerie traipses in. She's all, how are my toilets coming? Millicunas is all, oh, sorry, I didn't finish yet. I was just buying this telescope with my ovaries. Yeah, it takes back. Hey, I think this is a little too, hey, look at me for an Oscar acceptance speech. It's the Wachowskis. Well, I may clean toilets, but I do look like an actress. Maybe you should wear some clothes. Hmm, clothes. Go in my closet there and find me some. Hey, are all these little brown monsters groping me? Your brothers, too? Oh, shit. Aliens. Good, they didn't see me run into the closet. (laughs) Point coots. Good thing my toiletry skills gave me street smarts. Now, if I just keep quiet, don't do anything dumb. Uh, Okay, what's one picture? Whoops, hang on. I had my take picture sound muted. Just turn the volume. Click. The aliens are momentarily deafened by this, but promptly attack. Then get scared and flee to another dimension because of doorbell rings. <laughs> Mila Kunis wanders out of the closet, ignoring the levitating blonde lady with probes sticking out of her and the phone in her. <laughs> She's all, hmm. I remember taking a picture of aliens a second ago using my... Maybe if I just look at the screen... Nah, fuck it. Over another shot of Jupiter, some words in a futuristic font are all 13. This is in a hospital waiting room. She raises her phone for no reason and goes, Hey, wait a minute, I did take pictures of aliens. I guess I'd better call the Air Force and Dingus' girlfriend. As soon as ovary operations ready. Oh, okay. Yeah, it all happens in the movie, all right? <laughs> you surprised when you see it. Nuts. Five seconds later. Whew, God, this oxygen mask is so relaxing, I can barely even tell I'm levitating for some reason. Hey, wait a second. You guys aren't gynecologists. You're aliens. Or both? Damn it. I didn't sign on for this. Fuck, <laughs> this was all my brother's idea. I guess he's Russian. <laughs> Aliens is all. By the way, I'm an actual gynecologist. You can find my backstory in the press materials. Get her. <laughs> no. What? The? Channing Tatum. I. I'm the product of wolf chism. <laughs> sprinkled with CG elf stool. That's why my are pointed. 
That's the last time I think I use invisibility. Let's dodge these lasers and get out of here. Wow, this is awesome. Who are those aliens? What the fuck's going on? I could tell you, but it's not interesting. Oh, you're taking me to an actual skyscraper office. This is so romantic. And to think this script started as Fifty Shades of Grey fan fiction. Uh, uh, we scrub in the toilet. Oh, sorry, force of habit. What the? You're carrying me outside the window, and now we're floating up along the side of the building towards your visible spaceship. See? You use invisibility again, you fucking liar. He doesn't say anything. They keep slowly ascending. See, think this? Ascending. Your Milikunas voice is amazing. Jesus, Channing, this is taking forever. Why don't you just park the ship closer to the window? I mean, um, maybe it'd be interesting to know more about how your boots work. <laughs> Something. Down is hard, easy's up. Hmm. What about sideways? I don't know. I'm what you were thinking to call a skyjacker. Oh, we have those here, see? We're not so different. Oh, what's that? That's my invisible ship exploding. Damn. I didn't notice the brown aliens were following us all this time. Hang on. No, on. Damn it. A million lasers later. <laughs> wow. All those buildings destroyed, millions dead. That was awesome. Actually, as you can see in the rearview mirror of this car we're now in, the buildings are all being fixed using CG. Can't do much about the dead. But on the upside, everyone in Chicago is being given amnesia. Except us and that stoner. The cops lead away. Guys, I'm telling you, the chase went on for eight minutes, and I couldn't tell you one thing that happened. It was that incoherent. I would have spent six months shooting it. you got to believe me. They're all, come on, pal, off to the station to get amnesia like the rest of us. Mila Kunis turns to Channing Tatum and goes, Yeah, I don't get the amnesia thing either. What's the point? It seems like a waste of energy. They drive in silence for 12 minutes. I lean over to Neo and whisper, After this movie, I'm going to try it amnesia. They drive to Sean Bean's house. Sean Bean looks at his dialogue in the script for a second, then tosses it away with a scowl and just starts punching Channing Tatum back and forth. <laughs> I think we all can agree. A block that comes out. <laughs> I think we all can agree. <laughs> that was me. Oh, yeah, I know. Blanche comes out and nods. That's the other thing, I guess. <laughs> Guys, check it out! She stumbles into view covered with bees. <laughs> so I could do what it will, and all I had to do was get my head stuck in this hive. And you, and you don't have to change anything that's going on in the movie. No, there's these. <laughs> it goes on a little longer. There's a shot of some words are all after more exposition. Sean Bean closes a book and goes, and that's what a dinosaur is. Wow, that changes everything I was thinking. Hey, Channing, would you like to see the rest of the house? And can you maybe take the ears off first? They're a little D&D can't have sex. I have a dog's penis. Oh, I love those. Sorry, Your Majesty, you do nothing for me yet. Plus, I never have sex with royalty until the mission's either over or I lose interest. What's your mission again? Channing doesn't say anything. She's all, well, maybe, what the, an Australian? That's right, I'm not dead after all. I'm here to chase you through some cornfields. Milla wakes up in a slightly different dress. She's all great. Now where the fuck am I? 
with me, your British daughter, another planet. <laughs> Miller, Kernis is all. Oh, Jupiter? No, Jupiter's totally irrelevant, I'm afraid. That's my British girl thing. That's, yeah, good. Natural. In fact, your father was actually looking at the moon through his telescope. This planet we're on doesn't have a name, but perhaps this will answer some of your questions. She dives into a pool and swims around. Another actress comes up different. <laughs> it's me, the same actress, but slightly younger with the same hair color. Sean Bean walks into view. Hey, I'm here to betray you. He pulls out his gun, but also to redeem myself. He holsters the gun. Glances over at the Wachowskis uncertainly. Like, uh, so. Channing Tatum drops into view, tangled up in CG wires. He's all, uh. Nella Kunis is all, Christ, the universe is so much stranger than any of us realized. Sense of wonder, um, it's a robot with Paul Dano's face, clears its throat, <laughs> leads through. <laughs> We're getting there, Dingus. Uh, no, we aren't. There's a montage of her standing in a bunch of lines behind other girls named after planets. Finally, Terry Gilliam, sitting behind a prop from Brazil, stamps a blue circle on her wrist. Ta-da! Now pronounce my career over. She looks at the camera and goes, And I thought the DMV was bad. <laughs> Not that it, my character's ever owned a car. Terry Gilliam's all, And I've always wanted to work with you and or Ashton. But first, he pulls off his actual hair and CGs into the brother who's not Stephen Hawking. Ah, tis I, the brother who speaks at normal volume. He leads Melakunas into a basement full of cosmetics. <laughs> He's all, I know technically I'm your son, but if you answer my next question, I'll ask you to marry me. Oh. <laughs> What's the question? He hands her a pink bottle. It's moisturized. It took 100,000 people to make and another to put it in the bottle. So be careful. <sighs> Don't worry about it. Here's another civilization whose children's souls we... Oh, sorry. I dropped that one, too. <laughs> Maybe I wouldn't make a very good queen. No. Here. here. This one's a little cheaper. Oh, stop handing them to me so fast. <laughs> okay. Well, here. This one's shattered. No. Oh, no. Uh, here, I'm just going to hand you every bottle and all. <laughs> So, <laughs> Channing Tatum hobbles into view. Hey, I'm here to rescue you again. My shoes is around. Uh, this bus isn't helping either. Hey, where'd you go? Shit. Millicunis wakes up to another costume change and yet another sibling leering over her. She's ah, which one are you? I'm the Oscar nominee. As you can see, I kidnapped your family and these things are deep. I need you to sign this contract here so I can do something to them. It's like The Matrix, but bluer. He sounds a little bit like Kevin Costner, but very, very oh, far away. Yes! <laughs> like he's far away. <laughs> Kevin Costner's on a really bad phone connection trying to call us. <laughs> he's not Southern. <laughs> I know, but he kind of do that vocal fry thing that you do with Kevin Costner, which I love. She's like, oh, you guys can just give me amnesia. Why not just forge my signature? Brainwash me. He's all, because we didn't think of it! Oh, God. He's American. Of course. He CGs the floor away. What was your question? Nothing. 
As you can see, we have your nine sisters and your mom and dick brother about to be tortured. Are you going to sign or do I have to keep saying things? So I'm not your mother. Which I guess means all this happened for nothing. Her courage makes the factory blow up and Channing Tatum catch her in the air. Space. We'll hang on to the landing gear. Spaceship. He's all, can someone open the door? Everyone laughs. Millikunis returns to cleaning toilets every day, but now she likes it because she has a tattoo. She comes home one day covered in shit stains to find her family having a huge banquet in the skyscraper. The brothers all, hey, we don't remember anything that happened, so we got you this telescope. She doesn't do it after that. Everybody claps, but the audience. Millikunis climbs to the top of the skyscraper where Channing Tatum's doing nothing. She's all, Hey, look, your space shoes fit me perfectly. Guess we have the same size feet. I have a feeling I know how to use these all of a sudden. He sprouts some wings out of his back and goes, Yes. She's all, What the fuck? I thought you were supposed to be a wolf. Ah, whatever. I love you too. She flies around the building, skywriting the words, Happy President's Day from the Wachowskis. A newspaper's all mass amnesia unreported. God. Oh, wow, that was awesome. Sorry. <laughs> Thank you so much. Do not apologize. You made the movie worthwhile. Thank you so much. Oh. But perhaps I'm tipping my hand. Um, maybe I should let you say something first. But I clearly I just said so much. I clearly hated this thing. Uh, I don't think it's possible to like it. Although I was trying to like it off and on. I'm trying to figure out. Um, it made me like Cloud Atlas more. Well, I really liked Cloud Atlas. I was really taken by Cloud there's Atlas. A, there's some plots in Cloud Atlas, and this I didn't really. Feel. There is it, there is a lot of mess in Cloud Atlas as well, but it's sort know, of it's, a lovely mess for me. Yeah, it's an organic mess, and it's a. It's, they're trying to they're trying to make an unfilmable book, but in this they're not trying to make an unfilmable. I don't know what they're doing in this, and the, and the, this is my problem, and this is what I wanted to ask you. I, I don't think this is incompetently filmed. Um, it's the, that, the Wachowskis know a lot about putting a movie together, but why does why is it so terrible? It's like Nolan, where you said, where an in Interstellar is just repeating every single thing he's ever done in other movies. I think right. that's what it says. Yeah, this is certainly matri- Matrix redundant. I mean, it is just so derivative of so much that goes on in the Matrix, uh, and yet has none of none of what makes the Matrix work. Yeah. Um, none of the action is coherent. Uh, there's no sense of spatial context, of spatial context. So when you when you made that joke about that chase going on forever, and I still don't know one thing that happened in yeah, it. None of the rules. None of the, all the ships look alike. It's just yeah. I have no idea what the rules up. are. I have no just idea who can see what. And then they do a Men in Black. We're going to erase everybody's memory j- gag. That's, um, I get that. What was? Is that so? That so we're in the Matrix, like oh, there's godlike beings controlling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's they're all like these are what about all the creepiness that made the Matrix cool. Right, exactly. And then what's weird, and this is a very weird thing for me, um, the Matrix, uh, the Matrix looks the, everything in the Matrix looks everything in that movie looks real, but on two different levels. The the Matrix world. Even though it's supposed to be this thing that is not real, looks looks real. It's designed to look real. You know which world you're in. Yeah, but it always looks reality based. It looks like that could be a reality. This movie never looks real. Nothing in it looks real. Nothing looks solid. Um, 
I just I I and and yet I can't say it's incompetent. It's just I, I have no idea what they're trying to do. It I, is incompetent because okay, they spent help, help me with this. Help me with that. I was hoping that you would be able to help me with that. Go ahead. Well, the story may be more competent even than the action, but like for the action scene, that Chicago chase, they spent like every like 10 minutes a day for three months like shooting the chicago skyline to get that level of authenticity and that doesn't come across in that sequence at all like they missed what what are you saying what are you saying right now they did it was shot a location or something why because to to make it seem more visceral i'm assuming but it doesn't come you don't feel that or i didn't in 3d you can use stock footage for that shit are you I I actually when I read that I go wait which shot are they talking about but that's the only part where they're in Chicago and anything happens so it has to be that chase. Good lord, they could harvest stuff from a Transformers movie. For that. I know, and the budget for this was one hundred seventy-five. What? Yep. One seventy-five. Uh, SpongeBob is going to have to loan them some. Sun came out this weekend too, and it tanked. Like oh, it made seven million, and it cost more than a hundred. So I didn't see that, but I remember. I I think there's a Jeff Bridges beard thing going on there, but with (laughs) Jupiter ascending, (sighs) Jupiter ascending. Okay, so what? what, There's one movie that that this movie really reminds me of, Um, and I'm not going to use it for my over under, but I do want to talk about it right now. Um, And this this movie feels like a terrible low rent lacking wit lacking humor lacking interesting character version of guardians of the galaxy yes um there's so much in guardians of the galaxy that this movie is trying to do and i know that that they were they've been doing this movie for years and they tried to get it out last year and couldn't so there's no way they watched guardians of the galaxy and aped it that's not what i mean but there's so much that guardians of the galaxy which i did not expect to work gets right that this movie tries and fails at it has the exact same sequence too where the hero is jettisoned out in space without a suit and then a guy you see a ship come in behind him so it feels like they were like taking that shot and also the shoes i mean he's got star lord's shoes he's got a weird halo shield like a weird barking guns i i I mean he's got star lord's shoes i mean what are you gonna do yeah they're in every season yeah and then he just he looks like a skater boy running around all of Chicago. I have no idea what those shoes are for and why when he gets thrown in prison they don't take them from him. Yeah. Um <laughs> it's but it's but it just lacks humor and wit. It try it makes a try at humor every now and then. Uh it makes a try at chemistry between the leads every now and then. Um but let me ask you this. What did you think about the chemistry between Mila Kunis and Channing Tatum? Horrible. They're both. Neither of them. I didn't feel they were even in the same shots together when they were. What, what do you think that is? I'm really curious about this. I think a lot of it. Well, part of it's her. I think because she's playing. Okay, in Book of Eli, she was a character named after a celestial object. She wore black leather, and she had the celestial destiny that we never got to see. And in this one, it's the exact same thing. So it's like she's coasting on that same role. And then I think even in these CG movies, you just spend so much time in front of a green screen, it just drains all the zeal you would have for the part. And it's such a convoluted storyline, I don't think they know how to behave with each other. 
it's like he's not into her until he rescues her for the third time. Do you think they're trying, though? Because it's not like – I don't think they're phoning it in. I think Mila Kunis and Channing Tatum are trying, and there's not, a couple moments where it looks like they're really trying, but it's like trying to have – like if I were to stand here and go, I'm going to really try to have an erection right now. Right. It's, it's, it, it looks like they're really trying, doesn't it? Well, I blame the Wachowski because Mila Kunis, I think, is sort of left at sea with what tone to adopt. Because she's trying, I'm uh, not really sure what her character like. She doesn't really have a sense of wonder. She's kind of rolling with it. She never gets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's, You're she's absolutely right. Yeah. Go ahead. She's making jokes occasionally, but like she just found out she's the queen of the universe and all this shit's happening, and she's never keeping up with it. Like, but she's still like dressing in gowns. It's like a costume piece. That's all we get out of her. <laughs> she winds up she's on another world, and there is no sense of wonder no sense whatsoever. Of wonder. Yeah. She's she could be cleaning a toilet on this world. She's right. not. So if it's going to be that kind of movie, like a Flash Gordon or Land of the Lost, or where like the joke is the characters don't give a shit, then it's an awfully convoluted storyline that we're expect with a lot of serious dramatic acting going on for that kind of a movie. Like it's not cartoonishly paced or like like it's just this huge long longer than all the godfather movies <laughs> but i've seen movies that have a lot of plenty of green screen and the actors are still able to summon some sort of chemistry for each other these two just don't have it and what's weird for me is that well let me ask you this um what did you think of mila kunis is chemistry with natalie portman in black swan great she absolutely had chemistry with yeah her. she so was out acting with natalie portman sort of it's not impossible for her. I mean, she she had some. There's there's a spark there, right? Yeah. Without Black Swan, I would have a way lower opinion of because all I know her from is I didn't watch that '70s show, so I only know her from Book of Eli and Black Swan. And yeah, me too. Fox. I'm with, I'm with you. Yeah. So she tends to make a lot of really expensive looking movies. Um, where she's sort of similar, like she just seems to be reacting to special effects a lot. Well, there's no, it, well, you're, the, the, eyes. the thing that you said that really resonates with me is that there, in her character, there is no sense of wonder. And I think that you're right that the Wachowskis just don't guide her with a tone that she is supposed to play. No, and she's supposed to be playing a character who goes through a huge metamorphosis, too. Right, right. She cleans toilets, and then she finds out she's the queen of the universe. And then she goes back to that, and there's a zeal. I mean, she has more chemistry with that toilet at the end than she has with Channing Tatum. Yeah, it's the same toilet. But she's trying, and that last scene on the roof with Channing Tatum, I mean, she does a couple things where she's like, uh, that that works for me when he says, your majesty. And when he puts his wings around her, she's like, I could get used to this. I mean, she's really trying to, to heat it up. She's not... She's not being bland or vacant. She's but doing more than he is. He well, just doesn't want it to be doing it. That's the other part of the equation because with Channing Tatum and, and with both of these examples, Black Swan and the things I'm about to say, I mean, no, I'm not going to say, I'm not saying anything about sexuality, but Channing Tatum has so much chemistry in 21 Jump Street with um, Jonah Hill, is it? Yeah. So much chemistry uh, with uh, everybody in in Magic Mike, and, and then and so much chemistry with Jamie Bell in uh, The Eagle. Um, he's he's great with Fox his catcher. with his male co leads. Yeah, he's got chemistry with everybody. He's 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 just he's got so much charisma. And in this, your voice for him was perfect in the synopsis because he's just like not present. Yeah. 
but well, he's, he's married in makeup that I don't think he wants to be wearing. He can do yep. that though. And and what's weird for me is that the Wachowskis, the, these siblings, should know better than any other filmmakers that I can think of how to mess around with gender. And if you've got two leads that are so good at having chemistry with their their same sex, why not play with that? I mean, well, Mila Kunis is great with Natalie Portman. Channing Tatum is great with other dudes. They're terrible with each other. Why, why didn't they recognize that? I don't get it. Do you just not see it in the room? Or they just don't want to be there. Like, they signed on for the project, and then they didn't know it was going to be a shipwreck till they're already locked in. And then they yeah. just kind of say all the lines. And I don't know how that feels for an actor. Like, it's I guess, like the last stage. You're you know, that's <laughs> actually a really good point. Because I've been in the room before where, where you're auditioning and... Um, you just you come in and, and you're reading with an actress and there's just nothing there, and there, there's no way to fake it. There's and it's a big dumb there. science fiction movie, and so it's like you already, and so you're not sure how heavy to go, you're not sure how dramatic to be. It's right, like, and he's doing nothing. He does nothing in this movie. Yeah. I don't get the character. But it's not and a very. It's not an interesting character. And also, yeah. I was thinking as we watched it, or as I watched it, I had to go alone. Um, <laughs> What I, I was thinking too. is uh, I was thinking about Tom's uh, Tom's one of Tom's objections to Edge of Tomorrow, which was one of my favorite movies last year. But he had an interesting objection about how the it should have been about the female character instead of this standard let the man run around and save the girl mm-hmm. and and relegate her to a lesser role. I disagreed with that, but I think it's a valid it's a valid point to make. It's way more valid here than it is and, Edge of Tomorrow. It absolutely, and that's what I wanted to ask you. And it's Herb's. Well, because the, the, the title refers to her, and so they think they're telling us this feminist empowerment story, but she just gets hoodwinked. She just stands around waiting for him yeah. to skate, skate by. And, a marriage? And so, That's fucking from Dickens. She's, she's going to get married, and he, he has to save her, her from that. Right. She's going to abdicate, and then she has to her. smash something. I mean, and finally and at the, at the end... She doesn't even get to do anything at the end. She has to like she rides those elevators while he's doing all the fun things, and then she refuses to kill the guy who's been torturing her family. And, and then she falls off of something, and he saves her from that. I mean, yeah. if it's called Jupiter ascending, then let her ascend. I mean, right. that, well, that she ascended on the elevators. And it's okay. Uh, she climbs up that silly thing. ladder. Like, but I will say this: there was one part where I was kind of rooted, where I go, "Oh wait, this is something kind of interesting." Is like where at the end there, right before that, they he has her family captive, and she she chooses their deaths and her own to save the Earth, and that seemed like an unusual choice. Like in Hellboy, the Selma Blair character has that same thing, and she picks oh. him way over the Earth. Well, that's a good connection. I didn't think about that. So I'll give the Mila Kudis character. It's like the one thing she does, she refuses to – she does Don Cheadle from Hotel Rwanda. And like, she's like, I'm not going to let this continue. Right. So she's the, like, the use of humans as farm animals or batteries or whatever. I'm yes. not going to let that continue. Right. right. And to, and her family too. Like she's giving them up. She's sacrificing her family. Yeah. yeah. And why, yeah so that's kind of – like that was sort of a bold choice I thought. Yeah, I thought, yeah, I thought so too. I was surprised at that, that he didn't – that – that's, that uh, Channing Tatum didn't come skateboard, skate, you know, rollerblading in to, to save her from the abdication as well. That she chose, that she ch- that was a good choice. That was a bold choice. I agree with you. Although he does save her, like maybe she just assumes he's going to save her at that point because he saved her three times. In a row. No, I, I take it. I take it at its. I take it at its. Yeah. 
face value. I think you're right. I think and he's the ridiculous. scariest villain. And after all she's been through, instead of being burned out, she brings her A game and says no for the first time in the whole movie. I know, seriously. All right, well, let's talk about him as a villain, because I know Eddie Redmayne is supposed to be the new hotness. He's nominated for Best Actor. I didn't see that. Uh, I, I I haven't seen him in a thing. I haven't seen him in Les Mis. I don't know. I just know that everybody's like Eddie. Med- Eddie, Eddie blah, 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 blah. I think he's horrible in this, and I think he's basically the poor man's Killian Murphy. Um, <laughs> I I have, I have no idea what the deal is. Have you seen him in anything that he was good in? No, but I think I've got the sense. Remember how Agent Smith talked a weird way, and he was based on. Oh yeah, yeah, that's a good point. I didn't think about that. I got the sense he was doing some similar. Oh, Kelly, you just you brought that into focus for me. Thank you. Just like the Australian guy. Yeah, I I love that you brought that around because I was worried. Does Kelly one think that guy died because he didn't? Uh, Also, the brother's not the brother. He's the cousin. Sorry. He he was also in Edge of Tomorrow. His name is his name is Kick something or other. I I read reviews of this movie, and they were like, "Well, sometimes when it's like." It's like everyone's sort of like piling on Jupiter Sending, but they, it's like it's, I read things where they were going like, well, at least it's an original franchise. Like you got to give them credit for like pushing back against superhero movies. It's like this is a fucking superhero. It's the same fucking thing. It's the same action. It's, it's the, the same, same action, just yes. poorly filmed. I mean, even it's that just, that ridiculous Warhammer bullshit um, is the same. It's the same sequence from Guardians of the Galaxy where they're fighting the that. Whatever that ship is called, I forget. But th- that whole thing stretches out to block all of the other ships from coming in. But it's mm-hmm. so well filmed that you always understand what's going on. That Warhammer sequence in this, where Channing Tatum and Sean Bean get into oh, their yeah. robot, robot jocks costumes and fly through it, you never know what the fuck is going on. Yeah. How can they know? Yeah. How, and they, they shoot every action sequence, every fight is so poorly shot that I don't know what the fuck is going on and i know they know how to shoot a fight did they just choose the wrong choreographers what the fuck everything is poorly shot in this it doesn't sound like martial arts matrix fighting though it's not like wire foo fighting well it is because he skates he skates up into the corner of a room and then shoots a bunch of yeah it's like matrix reloaded i mean it's the same general principle from a visual standpoint except it's cut so poorly that i can't even tell what happens to that lizard dude at the end and then literally i said out loud when that lizard dude is wound up in the floor i'm like what just happened i don't i don't understand what just happened it's like it's a it's a it's it wants to be an R movie, but it's also too goofball for. You don't have to be an R movie. Guardians was not, not but no, you I always know. understand what's going on in the fights. Right, but this movie has such weirdly weird, like tonally weird. Like she's going to a gynecologist to get her ovaries taken. Oh god! As opposed to, a comic, like, to Guardians of the Galaxy, like okay, we're in a space prison. Like it's a comic book situation, and this is like kind of Prometheus, like that scene with the. Uh, yeah, that's a very good point. Same thing where they think they're going. Ah, see, we're we're keeping it real. We're giving you a great female character. Now watch her get probed by aliens. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Tells Chetty Tatum skates in on a skateboard. Uh, um, yeah. How did you like? Jeez, uh, the bees. What the fuck? It was. It was. It was the first thing I thought of after the movie. So I got to give it props for. It was like the weird, like really, they're really they're gonna do it, and they're gonna they're gonna have Sean Bean 
explain it. Sean B. Mm. Sean B. <sighs> um, I just yeah. love that there's a line <clears throat> that somebody says in earnest, and there's so many lines like this in Wachowski movies that you think sounds intelligent, and then it at first and then a moment it's later like it, it, the, the line is uh, you know that bees are genetically engineered to recognize royalty okay a what what's that <laughs> statement mean? that's exactly what i said why would an earth that's been seeded by the aliens <laughs> i love <laughs> how explain to me how she's royalty again too how did the bees do this why is it her? Because bees, bees everybody right. knows that bees, bees are genetically are engineered. By, what? By themselves? <laughs> the ones who, the Russians who did it? I don't understand what that means. That bees never do that, first off. Bees. I've never seen a single instance of that in historical, do- like, oh look, the bees recognize the king. Stop. I love that in earnest, a character goes to her, have you ever been stung by a bee? Yeah. Oh wait. <laughs> I guess uh, wait, I guess I haven't either, so that means You're royalty. King Kelly. And by ignoring me. You might be a, a repercussion or a regeneration of a of a of a king somewhere. That's or a queen. Why he has them there. I guess. Oh my god. So the other thing this movie made me think of, I'm thinking of that opening not the opening scene, but the the first scene on another world on Xantex or whatever world they're on, where where they first introduce these ideas about harvesting and whatnot, and it's three siblings who are totally weird. Um, what I like about that scene is that it it has that sense of what 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 is going on here, which I love in sci-fi movies, and I will tolerate that to the end of the movie, like with Under the Skin. I, I never necessarily knew what was going on with Under the Skin, but I would go with that movie all the way. Yeah. This opening scene, why doesn't that work? Because there's there's a lot of like, what the fuck is going on here? But why why does something like Under the Skin, which doesn't give us a lot of information, work? And this particular scene where you're like, why are they talking about harvesting? I don't know what's going on. Why does it not work here? This whole idea for me of you know why getting so little information in something like under the skin works and then this weird impenetrable like the three siblings standing around on this desolate post-apocalyptic planet why why doesn't that work at all for me i don't i'm i'm asking you to kind of interpret why this movie's lack of information and what the fuckness doesn't work but something like under the skin does i think with under the skin it's giving you information at a certain rate um uh, and then subverting your expectations, but it's never like just bombarding you with stuff. And with Jupiter ascending, it was setting up so many different characters in the first twenty minutes. It didn't really pave us a road, um, which is what I thought the Millicunas voiceover was oh. supposed to do. But it kind of doesn't. It's like we lose the sense of wonder and the sense of strangeness from the voiceover. Like, but then we still get confused because then it's suddenly bearing us in like all these different things even then though we don't know who those siblings are you know you're that's real that's actually a really good point because i and i didn't think about that um first of all we were introduced to her her family at the beginning and it's supposed to be really dramatic when we meet them next they're at this dinner table and they're all ridiculous it's like something from uh i don't know um right after one of them gets shot in the stomach what's that share movie uh with Vincent Cardina. Uh, uh, Burbank's? Moon. Moonstruck. Moonstruck. It's, 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 or a Gary Marshall movie. It's, it's very 
comical but weird. Um, Wait, Moonstruck's good, isn't it? Moonstruck's fine, but some of that 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 borderline Gary Marshall were sitting at the table and having a big meal, and we're all like caricatures of Russians uh, with ter- uh, with I think terrible accents. Um, well, and for what? And but she's not one of them. And then we she never we, seems like we transport to another world, and there's these three siblings that all have weird ways of speaking and terrible right. makeup. Um, which again, she also looks nothing like. as much as I liked Cloud Atlas, there's some weird ass makeup in that, and there's weird ass makeup on that sister here. Um, so yeah, I think you're right because again, this calls to mind Guardians of the Galaxy. I'm sorry to harp on that, but. Uh, one of the things that frustrated me the first time I saw Guardians of the Galaxy, I felt like there's so many weird names and weird places, but for some reason it all comes together. They give you just enough that's recognizable to where you don't feel at sea. I think that what well, – I guess and until you said that, I guess one of the things – I think Chris Pratt is such a great anchor. Mm-hmm. That you you always feel like I can always return to Star Lord. I can always return to Chris Pratt and have him to hold on to in this weird world because he's from my world too, and and he learns to deal with it. And I never get a sense that there's anybody in this movie that I am supposed to identify with. Yeah, it's weird because it's like Channing Tatum's sort of supposed to be, or maybe Sean Bean too, is supposed to be like the Chris Pratt character, and it just goes to show. Well, I think she's. I think she she, she should be the, the she should be the Chris Pratt character. She should be the Star Lord. This should be her origin story, but she doesn't get to do that because she's constantly getting like saved by the dude. Yeah, and and, and that's where you know you know Tom's objection on Edge of Tomorrow really resonates with me in this movie, even though that's it's the so truth in there. Yeah. Yeah. About like what you said about how the Wachowskis should know about this. They so, should they should know seems... better and they should be able to play around with gender roles and they yeah. don't at all. It's just so frustrating. Yeah. <sighs> I can't even tell what they want us to think about her. Like, uh, yeah. Are we supposed to wanna be her? Like, oh see if you behave like if you're like a Milakunis ruler, it'll be the universe is a better place. But there's also this weird it's all genetics thing. Right. It, it, there's, yeah, there's and, the, the movie harps on it's all genetics. Right. And here's the thing. It's like we never see – this. maybe this would have been lame, but like if there had been a flashback of her – there's always these constant references to who she was as the mother. But it's so impossible for us to see Mila Kunis as a queen at any point in this movie, even by the end, that maybe a flashback of her as the queen or something. Yeah, or, yeah. But it's not supposed – but maybe I guess she wasn't supposed to be a dead ringer for her. It's just the same genetic signature. But it's that means – but like someone like who was the queen like why was she if we'd just seen her face maybe and we have like a face to the name i don't know maybe I, I hate to say she was poorly cast i just don't know that she has the well, what, the wattage to do this that was part. supposed to be a franchise so they wanted us to go oh i hope, can't wait to see what Milakunas does in the next jupiter oh but like right. what she set up as a diplomat or a, an action heroine oh good lord if they have a, a it's a scene a in the set. Well, th- well, actually, this makes me think of my under. So let's just move into, uh, unless you have other anything you just want to talk about with this ridiculous movie. Well, it's like that whole. It's like there's that whole bureaucratic sequence that with the punchline of Terry Gilliam in it. And is Terry Gilliam actually there? Or he's is, the old man. Oh, I didn't know that. It's a cameo. <laughs> oh, all right. Well, that makes it's sense. It's an in joke. It's not an in joke. It's, no, it's, I, 
I mean, all I'm thinking is okay, we're, we're doing Brazil, and then they put him in there. That's I don't know if that's the definition of an in joke so much as just a dud. I mean, it's, it's that's what that's what you're gonna do. You're gonna you're gonna just crib from Brazil and then do that. And in this movie, it's like right. after all that's happened, like all right, now we're at another planet. Oh, you got to stand in line. And then it goes on and on and on. Oh, look, there, there's there, there's a desk that's super high, and our noses are beneath it. Uh, and it's not funny. Is it supposed? To, it's. I think it's supposed to be funny, though. No, and that's my other point. It's just this movie lacks completely lacks wit. And she it, goes out of the DMV. Like, and you're you oh, you were right. Your your point out, like she's never owned a car in her life, so who cares? Right. Why does she? We're do, supposed what, to nudge each other and go. Oh yeah, see. See, I, I don't want to be queen of the universe. That's been on that date. Yeah, we've all been uh, milking us at one point. Uh, so, what is your? What would you? Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'll go ahead and go first. Usually, I ask you to, but my under for this movie would be. Uh, it was hard to. Th- it was really hard for me to do this because I I hated this thing. Um, I don't but, think it's possible to like. Like, you gotta have some serious stones to. And it, yeah, I think so too. Um, but I, I would, I would throw uh, Attack of the Clones under it, though. <laughs> under it. Yeah, because of that. The clones out of all the prequels. Well, I, I thought about Phantom Fan- Menace. I thought about Phantom Menace first, but then I, I was swayed by the remembrance of him saying, "I don't like sand," and yeah, their, their terrible lack of chemistry and utter just horrible uh, understanding point. of their relationship at least Channing Tatum has some presence and Phantom Menace if we could defend Phantom Menace for a moment at the expense of Jupiter Rising ascending fucking ascending <laughs> uh, it's like at least in Phantom Menace we weren't confused like we kind of knew what was going on well okay well Maybe. as ridiculous as the bureaucracy and the, and, the, and the fact that George Lucas decided to make a movie about right like, like, ta- like tax evasion or something yeah um, that's with lightsabers and chases. We go, okay, but like Attack of the Clones, it like ends with a lightsaber duel where no one dies. Uh, there's like a battle. We don't know who wins. The clones are now have shit. Like what? Like we don't even know what we just saw. Like we're even more lost than we were after Phantom Menace. <laughs> so in a way, Phantom Menace is the over. And we have we have Liam Neeson in the place of yeah. Sean Bean. Um, Jar Jar is funnier than. Um, any character <laughs> well the, the there's an elephant dude who flies the uh the aegis ship uh who, who there's part deer oh, wait what were you gonna say nothing reminds you of who the elephant guy the elephant guy reminds me of and i, I don't know the character name but the guy who co-pilots the millennium falcon with lando calrissian uh, and the Ar- narn web oh very well i ah uh, I did love the cat, and this is why I mentioned her name. Is her name is Nikki Amuka Bird? I did love the captain of the Aegis uh, of the of the the space cops ship. I really thought she was good. The black chick. Yeah, I thought she was good. Yeah, she was good. She didn't she, get to do anything. She actually teared me up a little bit. I liked her a lot. What? Yeah. Wait, when? What did you tear up? I don't know when 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 they when they do the prototypical she gets through and and uh, and she says you know off the record you're the bravest man I've ever known and I hope your aim is true whatever she says to him um, I liked her I just I just believed her I believed that that actress more than I believed anybody else in the movie I think I really liked her. <laughs> Tearing up's quite a ways to go like in Jupiter sending like oh, this fucking oh wait. 
she's rooting for them. She's flying the ship. Yeah. Oh, she's All right. right. So okay. my under is Attack of the Clowns. Uh, what is your under? Uh, my over. Wait, oh, my wait, under. Your under, yeah. My under is Star Crash. All right, I don't know that movie. I. All right, good. And my over is also Star Crash. Whoa, wait a minute. That doesn't make sense. Yeah. Because it's better. Because it's dumb, stupid entertainment. All right. That's not entertaining, but it cost way less, and um, it was over quickly, and it was funny. And then <laughs> Jupiter Sending's not funny. It just makes me depressed. It's not funny. It it lacks that altogether. But then it, it makes tries, me feel bad for it. It tries for it a couple of times, and it's just. It's the lands of the clang. What are you talking about, dinosaurs? I mean, they yeah. they, tr- they try it at things that are funny, and it just doesn't work at all. Uh, but yeah, you're right. My over. Yeah, wait. Well, what's that line about dinosaurs? She says. She says, "What are you talking about, dinosaurs?" Because he explains to her right, how, right. how the, when they first seeded the planet. Right. But then she goes, what? Uh, she says, something like, oh, dinosaurs. Chicka-cha-ching. Because then yeah. later on, she goes, oh, space cops. Chicka-cha-ching. Like, she keeps doing. That's yeah, wait, her, her, her funniest line is probably that space cops. Sure. Because he yeah. brings up the Aegis or Aegis. I don't know how you say it. But, um, yeah. I like to think she wasn't acting when she said that. <laughs> it, was a, it was an improv. Yeah. Uh, my over would be another movie that begins with Star, and that would be Stargate. Um, Wait, that's over? That's my over. Yeah. What? Stargate's terrible. I know, but I I like the fact Stargate's that it's good till they go through the Stargate that it sucks. Well, it, at least there's a world building there. There's some sense of world building, and I don't think that this movie does that at all. It it shows a bunch of junk planets with junk flying around them. It feels like the way Coruscant feels um in phantom menace it's just like a lot of junk flying around with no real no real spatial context or no feel of reality or or solidity um when when a world is built i want a feeling of solidity and at least at stargate i feel like there's there's a solid world there and i I, you know i also love james spader so james spader's super great and he's doing like a john ritter kind of character and it's also funny yeah he's funny he's funny and no one in jupiter settings funny Right, absolutely right. It's like Luke Besson. It's like Fifth Element if Fifth Element was serious. Wow, you heard me. Yeah, I heard you. I'm not. I'm not a big fan of Fifth Element. Mm. It doesn't really That's work. That's my for... over. That's my over. That. All right, good. It's Star Crash. I was crazy when I said that. <laughs> uh, I could see that. I would think Fifth Element is much better than this movie. It's got uh, a Miller in it. That's a good point. And, and when you suggestive theme, and it's got jokes that I and get. she's she's funny when she says most of us is that's legitimately funny. And Bruce Willis knows how to turn that line around. Uh-huh. Yeah, he knows it's a multipass. He's See, he knows what he's doing, and nobody in this movie. Right. I mean, Channing Tatum has a sense of humor. He he knows how to do that, but he's not allowed to do anything. Uh, they're confining Be- because him. he's a werewolf or something. I don't even know. What the hell's that shit? <laughs> He doesn't look like a wolf, even. I love it's a your... terrible idea done even worse. Like, yeah. his makeup looks completely unwolf, and he looks like pretty fucking angry. All the splice gene stuff, there's so many ideas that they just had, like, ideas. They, it's It feels like a writer's room where they're just throwing ideas, 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 and we're going to include every single one of them in the movie and not 
pay off a single one or chase them down. His Jenny Tatum character is like a joke in a 22 Jump Street credit sequence. Yeah, very Had good. Out to three hours. You know what? We could have done the whole podcast in two minutes with you just saying that. <laughs> that, that is perfect. Um, so let's go ahead and move on. We've done our over unders. Yeah. Um, let's. Uh, did you get a chance to watch the we? You know, we, every week yeah. we do the mini movie. Club of Palooza, mini movie, mini movie club, kind of a thing. Yeah. Um, and it last week, always a week later. I know, yeah. uh, but it gives people like a chance to to jump in and and contribute if they want, or just listen to us talk about something if they don't want to listen to the regular podcast because they haven't seen the movie yet. And so last week we saw a movie called Black Sea, which is kind of a submarine heist movie. Um, and this made me really want to watch again a movie I saw as a, as a kid with my dad called Grey Lady Down. Um, did you get a chance to watch that? I did, and I always try to find a link between that and the movie that we're talking about of the week, even though that's not it's, – ah. it's sort of accidental. But I think I did find one in which Grey Lady Down was sort of made in 1978 when the disaster movie was sort of on its last legs. and It was like right before Airplane came out and went, all right, we can never – this is always going to be a joke from now on. And it's like Jupiter Sending is like the last big budget science fiction movie like this that like anyone's ever gonna like now it's gonna be jokes. It's All gonna right. be joke versions of Jupiter Ascending from here on in. It's gonna be yeah. Unless it's in the Marvel universe, they're probably not gonna make them anymore. But see, even that one had jokes though. It's like Guardians of the Galaxy was the airplane of this. Ah, very good. <laughs> That's very good. I like it came that. out before it. I like that. In a good way. Uh, did did you like uh, Great Lady Down? Uh, it was really weird. I hadn't seen it ever before, and uh, oh, really? This is the first time you saw it. Yeah, there's a lot of act. It's all dudes. Mm-hmm. So it's like it, it, like in airport movies. There's a lot of ladies, <laughs> right? With with bad marriages, and then in this, it's just all dude on dude. But um, I really liked where the the scene where they dub Jaws. So, yeah, I was really shocked really at how well that worked. Because at first, ring the dinner bell. The black dude gets the best line. Yeah, it's when when nice. Jaws first shows up, I'm like, "Why are you doing that? Don't show us that." Yeah, and then, no, and then they totally they totally subverted my expectation by making the sound go out and then having them dub it in. That was hilarious. Yeah. Such yeah. a weird idea to do that. Yeah, but Charlton wasn't that in that part. No, they were improvising. But that makes sense. Like that's what they would have watched then. If this was made in '78, but it was also supposed to be like a Jaws movie. Like this is going to be a summer blockbuster, like Jaws. So they even watch Jaws. You get to see Jaws and this. And what I love about that is with all of these submarine movies, from this to Hunt to Red October to Black Sea, there's never any sea life in any shot. I know. Ever. Yeah. They just never bothered. It's to in put... a tub. <laughs> I know. You're looking at a baking soda. And so they're watching a movie that is about, you know, man versus nature. Yeah. And in this particular movie, it's, you know, not. <laughs> there's no, there's no nature. There's this dumb man who... Wait, I'm trying to remember what happens. There's a rainstorm, so they crash into the fishermen? No. Uh, it's a it's a huge tanker ship. Right. Um, and they're, they're actually... Same thing. Know, coming into port so that um, Charlton uh, Charl Heston can... Um, uh, retire. Right. Uh, and gets old for this shit. And they're too dumb because it's foggy to yeah. avoid this gigantic ship which runs over them. Yeah. Um, and then everyone gives their lives for Charlton Heston to live, even though it was his idea to do it. Yeah, yeah. And I do like Ronnie, Ronnie Cox. Cox. 
calling him on it. It's like you yes. had, you had to get Look. up there on the bridge just so you could steam into port, looking so great. It's your fault. I mean, I I like that he goes a little crazy. I think they could have gone further with that, or yeah. farther, yeah, further with that. He doesn't go full Black Sea. Ah, yeah, very good. Yeah, he's not the Michael Bean, but he does sacrifice himself. And then the, I felt bad for Ned Beatty. He doesn't get to sacrifice himself. He keeps getting. Well, I think that's way. that's really important. I, I I mean, I the thing I remember from seeing it as a kid. There are two things I remember from seeing this movie as a kid. Uh, one, my dad had to explain to me the whole idea of crush depth, and because it didn't make any sense to me, why can't they just swim out or whatever? Why, yeah. why, why are they worried about when they get down that that to that depth? Why does everybody keep remarking that it, they're surprised it didn't crush it? It's just water, and my dad had to explain to me. As a kid, water is heavy, <laughs> and yeah. there's a there's a certain amount of weight, and the the amount of weight could crush that thing like a little tin can. And I didn't understand that. That's the first time I understood that concept. And the other thing I remembered was the little mini sub, not the mini sub, but the snark um, saving the day. I forgot it was uh, David Carradine, but uh, I remembered that moment where one man sacrifices his life. Um, for some reason, I thought Charlton Heston found a way to do that but obviously that's not what happened no, it's and all it, to save him yeah it's it's uh but it's also to save 37 dudes yeah. um <laughs> wait uh oh, never mind what oh yeah i remember now i was gonna say it came out the year after airport 77 when which is about a, a jetliner that is on the ocean floor and then in that they just sent down frogmen and put balloons on it and then they just raised the plane up oh that's right <laughs> and I saw that in the theater. So if I'd seen this, I would have gone, wait, why don't they just send frogmen down? I agree with Dingus. But Dingus you could dad, actually... it's making up this thing called weight of water, but it's bullshit. Because Airport 77, they didn't have to worry about it. But I remember, isn't there a shot in Airport 77 where if you look straight down in the water, like flying overhead, you can see the plane. I mean, it's not it's not, <laughs> that, it's that. not at, at like 1,500 feet depth it's it's not in it's not in shallow water but it's it's not um, at that it's not at crush depth i mean you can see the plane if you look straight down right does that am i look am i thinking of the right image i don't remember them looking straight down at it i think you're thinking of the disneyland submarine all right maybe I am. Bomb, but <laughs> fair enough <laughs> You're probably I, right. Uh, I did love that Jaws moment. I also love that Christopher Reeve shows up. Yeah. What the hell? I know. <laughs> that was gets awesome. a couple lines. Yeah. He's in the background a lot. He is. He's, he plays somebody named Phillips. Um, and I don't know if that. I have no idea where this takes place in his career, but it was it was so great to see him because the very first thing that he's in, he, he barely says a, a line, but I'm like, I know that knows. That's got to be yeah. – that's Superman. Yep. Standing up. Yeah. Saying stuff. The Heston character, though, like, is he – I think it's one of those movies where you just assume that he's competent because he's Charlton Heston. Yeah. But like, he just lets the rule – he, like, yells sometimes but lets the rules slide, too. Like, all right, bring your camera, but stick it in your shirt pocket for the love of God. Right, 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 right. Yeah, I think he does a fine job, and he doesn't do any of that weird, over-the-top, like, damn dirty ape stuff. He's, he's No, but I like the damn dirty ape stuff. Like, well, I do, I do too. He's, he's fine at that. He's a total asshole, Planet of the Apes, like to all the other astronauts on the ways. He's like, fuck you guys. He's just a total dick to them. 
doesn't even care that they're on another planet. <laughs> the same constellations. I love yeah. his his line. I think he says, "I'm beginning to feel like a one-legged man in an ass-kicking contest." <laughs> <laughs> and Morse code. Damn, I love Morse uh, yeah, code. Yeah. I yeah. love when they use Morse code in movies. It makes me so they happy. They have to tell. He doesn't. Re- he doesn't know it though, and they have to tell him what it says. Well, who's the dude? Who's the dude who freaks out? The radio dude who freaks out? Oh, uh, yeah, that guy. Wait, Harris. Harris. He is. I don't remember who he is, though. He's like, he's not like the greatest American hero, but he's been in something like, I don't know what he was in. Uh, anyway, I remember, I know that kid, but he's the one like writing down the Morse code. I love all that Morse code stuff. I I like movies where the floors tilt. And do the actors have to like act like yeah. trying to stay upright? Oh, there's a hilarious shot where where the floors tilt and yeah. and one guy, some some yeah. random dude, comes flying, sliding along the floor right directly at the camera. Yeah, and his face is just like Wah! yeah, and he cuts away at the last second. See, it's, it's so cheesy. I love that. Yeah, and and the models underwater. I mean, so yeah. there's so clearly models. Um, Oh man, yeah! I really—it was really a pleasure to get this movie and watch it. <laughs> Wait, so the Tom saw this when he was a kid, and went, "Oh my god, this is the best movie I've ever seen." No, no, Tom, uh, Tom watched it, you know, you know, because he's—he's he for a while there. He just—he's watching bad TV. He's yeah. like trying to stave off boredom, or was for a while. Right, right. But tentacles and, was something he exposed me to, and I wondered if this was the same thing. And for some reason, he he just went through this disaster movie phase like a couple of months ago, and he just kept getting those Irwin, what's his name? Allen. Irwin Allen movies. And then then he got this one, which is not an Irwin Allen movie, but he he got this one and he told me he watched it, and I got so excited because I have such good memories of seeing it with my dad as a kid. And Tom's response to it was positive, so that's why I was so excited to watch it this week. At the end, though, uh, okay, so Carradine and, and Snark get crushed, and then there's, and then they're like, "Welcome aboard, Charlton!" And then they salute him, and then some words come up. He's staring down into the ocean and sees like something red, and they go, "Oh, the Snark's going to come up!" But then it's just the credits, and then the credits are all. Uh, by the way, uh, now the F sixteen three four is a reality, and we can rescue guys from submarines anywhere. It's fucking right. Great. The DSRV okay. is now a reality, which I, just, I yeah I didn't I I expected it had been all along, so it that was a weird. But not the snark. They're talking about the thing that we don't get to see, where they like they pull them up through the hatch, and then we don't see the guys actually rise to the surface. They just like show up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The but DSRV because the, the the DSRV is is featured in Hunt for October too. I mean that's. That's right. not the snark. That's the thing that we don't. No, know. no. The snark is something else. The snark is just like a little two-man thing that they they scooted around Nantucket in uh, for a long time. So they should add another placard that said, "But the snark, we kind of that's bullshit." Yes, <laughs> no, no, snark equals. I noticed it. Did, that's why it didn't work. the snark is the tie fighter. Stuff we make up doesn't work. <laughs> All right, so uh, uh, we have two uh, listeners who wrote in this week. <laughs> I predict both dudes. Um, first we have Simon Esters hey folks uh, although I've never seen this week's pick before um, I nevertheless managed to make me feel nostalgic about all the boys adventure books from the 50s up to the 70s that they had at my local library when I was a kid um, I can't read this whole thing Simon this is a really long email I appreciate what? you reading this much uh, wait uh, we've got two and it's Grey Lady Downey alright 
that it was mostly Animorphs and, oddly enough, the three investigators who had a ridiculously big thing in Germany compared to the U.S. But those books are mostly checked out all the time. Anyways, long story short, uh, I enjoyed Grey Lady Down in a very similar vein. Despite some obvious rough edges and some unusual pacing, I spent the first 40 minutes going, wait, that's not Dave Carradine. <laughs> Whenever a new character showed up, I did the same thing, Simon. That's funny. <laughs> I forgot. Yeah, he comes in really late. I forgot he was the snark dude. I, I just kept wondering when is the you know. And I kept and I kept recognizing guys. Um, there's there's Stephen McHattie who I think was in. Uh, well, I know him from Seinfeld, but he was in something else. Um, oh, I can't remember. Power is steering. Uh, I don't remember what else. Uh, I think his name is Tim McKenna. And, uh, and Ronnie Cox, of course, and uh, Christopher Reeve. I mean, I kept recognizing people, but wondering when David Carradine Stacey Keach. Stacey Keach, of course, yeah. Sweaty. And that weird tennis court scene. That was weird. Oh, uh, yeah. I assume that's Heston's wife or daughter or it's, it's his wife, but it's just it's just these two women looking at each other and one going, yeah. oh, what? Huh? What? Yeah, then oh. you don't see your reaction. Right. Remember uh, in Blue Jasmine when you Tom wanted them holding the phones longer? Oh yeah, yeah, I do remember that. That's funny. It's very funny. Uh, all right, so uh, going back to uh, to uh, Mr. Esters, um, there's something to be said for realizing that as opposed to zombies, several billion tons of water pressure pressing down on your tiny tin can of a submarine are scary enough on their own without man being man's worst enemy. Really enjoy that. Everyone was written to be pretty competent at their job, that's a good point, uh, and respectful towards each other, and mostly managed to keep their ego in check, which on the one hand made it feel contrived and slightly out of character whenever the script demanded some butting of heads. But on the other uh, hand, um, sorry, but on the other, lead us to these issues being resolved in a fairly quick and painless fashion that let us get on with the cool stuff almost immediately. I love that David Carradine's Captain Gates tells handsome sailor number five that it's not his fault after he misidentifies a sunken junker as a submarine, which is a real thing, maybe. Yeah, I was confused by that weird Edsel. It's not his fault. But, but they explain that it's a, uh, it's a sonar uh, target, so that was kind of cool. <laughs> All that said, on the action for it. Yeah, yeah. I was like, why is there a car at the bottom of the ocean? And somebody says, Uh, oh, it's a sonar target. So they would use that kind of thing to test sonar operators, I'm guessing. uh, They don't explain it. It's dating you while they um, suspend your disbelief. Right. All that said, on the actual submarine side of things, the movie fails a bit, or falls a bit short for me. Even though I thoroughly enjoyed Charlton Heston's performance, I might be alone with that one. I'm basically acting illiterate. You're not alone. He does a great job. Um, I don't think the movie gives the crew of the Neptune enough to do to justify the amount of time it spends with them. Aside from one heroic sacrifice toward the end, it's mostly a bunch of dudes sitting around on three different sets, putting on a brave face and letting all the occasional yell of frustration only from Charlton Heston to shout some sense into them. The lack of overt interpersonal drama mostly felt like padding which especially harms the first 40 minutes of the movie, where that and scenes of people getting phone calls while in bed is basically all we get. Yeah. <laughs> but it's that's like, where you, you also get the, the title of the movie during one of those bed phone calls. We yeah. Have a, we have a gray lady, Dan. <laughs> is that a real thing? 
I guess it is. I didn't look that up. And yeah, for, I, I spent a lot of this movie going, is the name of the submarine Grey Lady? And they co- they constantly say Neptune. I'm like, is it called the Grey Lady? And then they say, we found the Neptune. It's fallen. <laughs> right. Um, but Poseidon Adventure, there's a lot to look at. Like, it's a ship that's upside down, so the sets are cool. But in this, yeah. they're kind of just in one room. Right, there's right. The room that looks just like it. And they become increasingly less interesting rooms. Yeah. So they're, fi- they're finally like in a dorm room, basically. Yeah, and all the all the tensions just like Charlton Heston going, "All right, shut up over there." <laughs> exactly. Like there's no mutiny or anything. Like Crimson Tide's got fist fights. Crimson Tide, oh, good lord. Remember? Yeah, and a Jack Russell Terrier on the ship. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, I believe that. Annapolis. Wait. Um, Anyway, Simon goes on, I don't think the movie does a very good job of communicating the time frame in which its events take place. A flaw which I think is best exemplified when the line, they only have 12 hours of le- air left, is meant to be taken as this big, holy crap, stuff just got serious. hours. 20 minutes before the credits roll. This might be a realistic representation of A, the survival capabilities of a 70s nuclear sub, and B, the time it takes to get demolition experts team flown in out into the middle of the ocean. But it does kind of go against at least my definition of what a tight time limit for the fourth act of a movie should be. That's a good point, Simon. They have just enough time to become cannibals. (laughs) Very nice. Callback. Very well done. Yeah, look at the front page uh, thread for Black Sea, our last week's podcast, to see Tom and uh, and one of our other podcasters, myself, go back. I had a joke forth. about it in the office that I took it out because I, I forget why I took it out. It was so, and then Tom like mentions it. Yeah. Uh, sorry for running so long, but I always really uh, get really verbose with my opinions about movies when I'm trying to postpone having to do stuff for university. Ahoy, Simon Esters. Uh, P.S. Can you imagine any movie today ending with the letters, the technology depicted in this motion picture is today a reality on the screen? Jupiter ascending. <laughs> and the implied message being anything other than be afraid of autonomous murder bots. Be yeah. very afraid. Uh, PPS, uh, ion storms in Star Trek are apparently an accurate representation of what it's like to get rammed by a Norwegian freighter while on a submarine. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Simon, that was great. I don't know Star Trek well enough to laugh. Oh, me neither. I don't even know what Star Trek is. I only know Stargate and Star Crash. All right, so uh, Chris Markinson also writes in. Ah. Um, hey, guys, I enjoyed the movie. The underwater shots are not very good. Um, but very this, dark. This is a movie from 1978, so I'm willing to be pretty forgiving on that dark. front. But, yeah, that's when water was dark. Now, the, yeah. the ocean is uh, – the levels have dropped, and, it's got a, and we put a bunch of neon lights down there. Global lightning. I like Charlton Heston's performance, and I was actually hoping <laughs> – that the relationship between himself and Ronnie Cox would continue to deteriorate. Yeah. Oh, good point. Yeah, to the point of it becoming an obstacle to the rescue. Yeah, I kind of, yeah, I, I kind of can see that. Yeah, in Black Sea, they leave the troublemakers alive, but in Grey Lady Down, the troublemaker sacrifices himself. It's a sacrifice off. Right. Uh, it was also cool to see Stephen McCaddy. It was Stephen McCaddy. Okay, thanks, uh, Chris. I was going to say that. Who played Elaine's psychiatrist in Doctor Reston on Seinfeld? But what else was he? He was also in a movie we saw, um, and I can't remember what Stephen McCaddy was in. He was in a he was a, he was like the heavy in a movie we saw, and I cannot place it. Jupiter Sending. Um, 
No, it was not Jupiter Ascending. Uh, Let's see. So Chris leads us very nicely. Thank you for helping me with the uh, the segue. Chris says, I can't wait to see what next week's Club of Palooza pick will be. Oh. Oh, right. Um, <laughs> that's mine. Yes. I Did you just say to... oh? Yeah. I was thinking about my wife. My wife. Uh, uh, it's a movie I've seen, and I want to make you see it, and I want people to write in about it. All right. I want to talk about it almost. But it's uh, Hodorowski's Dune, a documentary. Oh, holy, holy crap. Really? Can we get that? Yeah, I would love to see that. I think you get on Amazon. All right. That's done, how it's done. I've been looking forward to that because it wound up on some people's end of the year lists. Yeah. Um, so, and I, I don't know a thing about it. Not a uh, thing. So good. Did you so, read the book Dune? Oh yeah. Oh, okay. Did you like it? I guess the we'll book? talk about this next week. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, let's talk about it next week because I've got, I've got opinions about the Lynch movie. I've got opinions about the book. Um, You'll love the Dune. I can't wait for you to see. You've it. already seen it. Yeah. How did you get a chance? Did you go into a theater? Did you see it at home or what? Uh, Amazon. All right, great. Okay, good. Well, good. You'll love love it. So for you know next week's at the end of the the podcast, we will talk about it puts setting into perspective too. Um, It's the perfect bookend. It goes perfectly. Like this is it's not just because I just saw it, but like. Well, that's great to hear. Thank you, Kelly. Like Grey Lady Down and. Oh, so awesome! All right, cool. Perfect time. So if, if you can, if you're a listener and you, uh, we would love for you to do this. If you can see Hodorowsky's Dune uh, this week, yeah. um, and just you know, you don't have to go to the lengths that Simon Esters did. Um, although I pre- appreciate his comprehensive review, just write a couple of a lines and send them to three by three at quarter to three dot com, and that's that would be three x three at quarter to three. Spell it all out. Quarter to three dot com. <laughs> And and uh, email them in to us. You can also email like a, you know any like comments about the podcast or uh, ideas for Kelly One's IMDb Opsis or whatever. You can also um, uh, you can do whatever you want. Just, but if you if you do see the movie, definitely email in some thoughts about it because we love reading your thoughts. Yeah, and it makes up for a lot of my bad choices on previous. No, even that works. It no, always no, works. You are you are a national treasure, Kelly Wand. So it always works. So Kelly Wand, now I'm going to ask you something that's a very difficult question for me to ask you. Um, I I'm feeling very uh, scared. Uh, what Hi, are you going to that. see um, for our main movie for next week's quarter to three movie podcast, Mr. Wand? Well, it is Valentine's Day next weekend, as you well know. Oh, so we're going to see Gary Marshall's Valentine's Day movie. We're going to rent that. There is one. Yeah, he makes he every year he makes another holiday movie. Holiday. Oh, so it's like those horror movies of the eighties. It, it, yeah, it's like that. It's like you would have a poster with like everybody's picture at the bottom. You of the want to knife everyone, but no one gets knife. Right, so we're going to see Gary Marshall's Valentine's Day. All right, fair enough. We're going to see another adaptation of a best-selling novel, literature, by a British person, a lady. So it'll be a feministly empowering that began as Twilight fan fiction and became something much bigger, a phenomenon, an international phenomenon. I don't even know what you're talking about at this point. A trilogy, like Lord of the Rings. 
and um, uh, Hunger Games and uh, 1984. Oh, we're going to see a trilogy? Yeah, but it's oh. going to be compressed into one movie. They're just going to like take all the events from the three books. Oh, we're going to get to see like a fan edit of The Hobbit. No, there's no... Look, it's not going to have CG in it. It's about relationships. The ultimate relationship. Oh. A man we all want to be with. A woman we all want to be in. Okay, and what is this movie that we're seeing? It's Fifty Shades of Grey, bitches. We're not seeing Fifty Shades of Grey. You're like, do not... What? Do not lie to our listeners. Fifty Shades of Grey is coming down the pike. It is unbelievable how many people are in support of us seeing that. You know what? It's a, it's a hundred to zero split, just like uh, people who think Harrison Ford is a better actor than Dwayne Johnson. All right, I'm not going to touch that with a ten foot cock, but let <gasps> me just tell you, um, oh, you're gonna are wait. So do you? I obviously think Harrison Ford's the better actor. No, she she refuses to go. She shamed you into finishing watching. Uh, they came together. She doesn't believe she that. She owes you. I'll let her t- tell her own opinions, but no, she will not be going to see that with me. I will be seeing this movie on my own, uh, unless Sag. I can trick uh, yeah, can enjoy it. Tom or my dog in it. And I've always loved dogs, so I could make me t- maybe take my dog to see Fifty Shades. But uh, Kelly is indeed telling the truth. We are going to see Fifty Shades of Grey. <laughs> yes, I you feel, said. Wait, I feel yeah. totally uh, dirty about this. Not that I, uh, not because of Red Room um, of Paint for you. Not Digger. because of the. Uh, the content or the community involved, I uh, am absolutely sex positive and supportive of the of that community. But I'm worried that, based on a couple interviews I've heard, that this movie is going to be a just landmine. So I'll t- I will talk about that next week. The leads hate each other, and the novelist and the director hate each other. And All I right. can't wait to hate them and the movie as much as they well, hate each other and the movie. The thing is, as much as I am dreading going to see this movie, and I have not read the book, uh, and I have no intention of reading the book, that doesn't matter. Um, yeah, but I'm not going to read this book. It doesn't really matter because we're seeing the movie, and the movie is paramount for this podcast. I will go into it with uh, with an open mind. Every movie I go into, I expect it will be great. It start, Every movie I go into starts at a 10, and I just say... Go ahead and wow me, and uh, please don't fuck it up. So uh, I will go into seeing Fifty Shades of Grey with the best of intentions and the highest of hopes. Um, I absolutely mean that sincerely. Uh, I will do that. And so that is what we are doing next week. We are going to see Fifty Shades of Grey at the behest of one Mr. Kelly Wand. Fuck yeah. And you are so happy. I can't believe it. All right, so he has um, the same first name as you. Coincidence? Are you serious right now? Yeah. His name is his name is Dingus. Dingus Gray is a great the the portrait. Mr. Mirowski will see you now. <laughs> Mr. Mikowski, Mr. Masnowski. All right, so uh, please join us next week for our main movie that we are going to see, Fifty Shades of Grey. Ah! Contribute to the podcast. Uh, if you can see Yodorowsky's or Jodorowsky, I don't know how you say it, it's Dune, uh, please send in your ideas at 3, 3x3 at quarter to three dot com. Like us on Facebook at our quarter to three page. Uh, follow uh, Tom on Twitter. Uh, 
at QT3. It's Tom Chick's account on uh, on Twitter, and, and we post all kinds of stuff about quarter three there. If you want to get a message to Kelly Wan, you can always – uh, you can always message me at uh, Twitter. I'm Dingus underscore capital X at uh, at Twitter. So I'm at Dingus underscore X, um, and I will pass on messages to Kelly Wan since he refuses to be on Twitter. I'm on there, I think. I just haven't. I all right. Well, once you once you actually tell people who you are, you will get all kinds of messages because they're constantly res- uh, my followers are constantly referencing you. All right, I'll um, come on. Hey, maybe she'll. Right. You don't have to feel bad. You just, you know, uh, I mean, you're, you're a busy I man. I got time. Let's be no, honest. I don't. What? I have nothing going on. It's so quiet. <laughs> anyway, I have been Christian Morosky. I will continue to be Christian Morosky, I hope, even after next week when we see a movie with another person named Christian. Um, and I have been joined by uh, Mr. Kelly Wand. Doesn't control get a little boring, Dingus? He's just a boy, and I'm just a girl. Can I make it any more obvious? We are love. Haven't you heard? How we rock each other's I think the sequel's called Fifty Shades More Dingus. I have more in common with dogs than with you. That's also from next week, huh? <laughs> <laughs>